Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? I know she said a lot of things about me, but they have nothing to do with me, I promise. It's all Jesus. He's the name above every name. And there's no one like him. So I know I look young, but I need you to trust me that the word will go forth in power this morning. Amen. Can you stand to your feet? Can we just pray real fast? Not real fast. Father, we love you. We love you, Jesus. And there's no one like you, God. Father, would you come and have your way? You're all in this place. Holy Spirit, it has nothing to do with us, but everything to do with who you are. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we ask, God, would your word go forth and penetrate the hearts of your people? Lord, let it not just be a good message, but let it be a transformative message in the mighty name of Jesus. Would you repeat after me? Would you say, Lord, whatever you have for me today, I want it. Say, Lord, Lord, and whatever you want from me today, whatever you want from me today, you can have it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. <laughs> This morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. And the title of my message this morning is, What Do You See? You see, when I was getting ready to come home, um, packing up bags and doing all the things, I remember I was in my room in Dalawa, Ivory Coast, and I said, God, what do you want me to say? And then, if you're like me, I gave him options, because, you know, he, don't, he doesn't know. <laughs> so I gave him options and I went through the list similar to what Pastor Rebecca went through this morning. And I said, God, but we did this and we did that and look at this and look at that. And God is so good and so gracious that he let me finish. And then he said, what do you see? And I said, Lord, I'm in my room. There's stuff. Every, like I just, and he's like, relax. In everything that you've spoken to me, what have you seen? I said, oh, Lord, I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus take five-minute taxi rides and transform the lives of Muslim men for his glory and for his honor. I've seen him take market ladies that are Muslim and, and are bound in fear and bound in all of these darkness, in darkness, and he have them set them free for his glory and his honor. You see, the truth of the matter is we do a lot of big things, right? The things that you hear about, the water filters, the crusades but we still need to eat. We still need to go from point A to point B. So the things that we do on the daily basis is very similar to all of you. And in relationship, we've seen the Lord transform and carry people into his loving arms. Amen? So I, the same question that the Lord asked me, I ask you this morning, what do you see? 
when you're going shopping, when you're getting your nails done, when you're dropping off the kids, when you're on your morning routine, what have you seen? In Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through uh, 24, Jesus actually sends out a group of disciples. It's the 72. And in this, he gives them many, many instructions, right? And we'll be reading from verse, chapter one, verse 1 in Luke chapter 10. And it says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, Lord... He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Amen. And as he continues, he begins to give them instruction and in what to do. When you go into this town, when they receive you, this is how you are to act. And if you go into this town and if they don't receive you, this is what you are to do. He's giving them instruction like they're soldiers. And on and on in verse 13, he then talks about the, the towns that have already rejected the word, that have already rejected the good news of Jesus. And we pick it up in verse 17, and it says this, and I need some help. It says, the 72 returned with? The 72 returned with? Joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from he heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. And watch this verse 20. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. Verses 21 to 22, what does Jesus do in response to this good news? He thanks his father in heaven, right? He prays to him. And these are our key verses in verse 23 and 24. It says this, then turning to the disciples, he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Amen. For the most part, most of us missionaries, we don't get to be tourists in the countries that we serve in because we're doing the work. And we, last year, our team, we had the opportunity to go and have a retreat um, by the beach. So we border, Ivory Coast borders the Atlantic Ocean. So we got to go to the beach. And does anybody like the beach in here? I know summer's done, but hallelujah. Okay, I don't. Um, I don't like the beach. I'm a real city girl. I like, I like the city. <laughs> but I have a roommate, and I'm a really good friend, and she's from Florida, and she loves the beach. So the moment she heard we were going to the beach, she was super excited. She was like, oh, my gosh, when we get there, we got to take pictures. I was like, whatever you want, whatever you want. So I remember we were super excited, but I was super excited to go to this town. It's called Abuaso, because if you know about Ghana and Ivory Coast, they actually border one another. So my mother actually speaks Fante. So that's my mother's tongue. And how many of you know that God is good, but French is hard? So I was at that point where I was like, okay, Lord, I just want to be able to speak and not like put my foot in my mouth or something. And in this town, they speak my mother's tongue. 
So I was super excited to go and like just talk to people and I have to think twice about what's going on. So we get to the beach and she's all excited, right? So we're going down and we're about to take pictures and off to the side, I see a group of young boys. So I start waving at them, right? And they run over to us. And as they come over to us, we start going back and forth in French and all the things. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna throw out my first word. So I threw out my first Fonte word, right? And they were like, Auntie, you speak our language? I said, yes, I speak your language. They were like, what? I was like, yes. Yeah. So I told them my story about how I was born in Ghana and grew up in New York and now I'm living in Ivory Coast. And they were like, where we sign up for that? Like, how do we? And I was like, I don't know, it's the Lord. But then I was like, wait, but do you guys know this song? It was a song that my mom sang to us as we were growing up. And so they started singing and now we have like this little party going on at the beach, right? And after I was like, well, guys, like, where's the church? And they were like, oh, there's a church in the town not too far away. And I was like, okay, what time do they open? And they were like, well, we don't, we don't know. We can't go to church. And I was like, we can't go to church. And they are like, well, we're fishermen's boys. So we fish all night with our dads. And by the time that we come up to shore, we're all dirty and filthy. And they don't really want us in the church. So we just walk by and we listen to all the songs. That's how they knew the song. I was like, wow. And they were like, yeah, but auntie, how long are you going to be here for? And I was like, I'll be here for a few days. And they were like, are you sure? Like right here? I was like, right here. So the following day they came back and we were talking. And of course they're asking questions like, so all y'all eat is pizza? Y'all don't like rice? Like what does a burger taste like? Cheese? Really? And of course, because they're between the ages of five and 12, they began to um, fight with one another, right? So I was like, oh, guys, remember our song? So then he starts singing again and going through. And I was like, well, do you, do you know what the song means? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, the song simply means that I met a man named Jesus. And because I met a man named Jesus, I no longer want to do the things that I used to do because I met a man named Jesus. And they said, well, Auntie, who's this man named Jesus? And I said, I thought you'd never ask. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus. And I began to give them the gospel message. And once again, these boys, their faces were in awe of what they had just heard. And they said, they, this Jesus wants to live in us. He doesn't think that we're too faulty. That was that conversation. They don't think that, he doesn't think I'm too dirty, but nobody wants us. I said, but there is one who does. And in fact, I believe that I came to Ivory Coast, came to this beach to meet you, to tell you just that. And right there in that moment, those boys were able to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But here's the thing, church. I began to wonder, how long have those boys been on the beach? How long had tourists been there, missionaries even, coming to and fro, maybe give them a little bit of money? But no one had only told them the one thing that would be priceless the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that when we see Jesus, something changes in us. So three things very quickly, what happens when we see Jesus? Number one, when we see Jesus, we see our sin. We see that we are in need of a savior. Romans 3, verses 10 through 18, it says this, and I wanna preface this by saying, this is not scripture that we often read in church. Because I'll tell you right now, it's not going to make you feel good. <laughs> but it's the truth of God's word, amen? And we believe that the word of God is supposed to change us, not make us feel good. 
That's right. Okay, so it says this in verse 10. It says, as as it is written and forever remains written, there is none righteous, none that meets God's standard, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. No, not one. Says that their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. The venom of asps are beneath their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and they have not known the path of peace. And lastly, it says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That's not just your coworker that annoys you. That's just not that person that keeps taking your parking spot. Or even that family member that just can't get it. That's all of us. This is humanity in our nature. But I'm so grateful that we have a God that didn't just see us and keep us a far ways off, but that he provided a way for us to come into the throne at the mercy seat of God. And his name is Jesus. Amen. You see, when we see Jesus, something happens. And I got to be honest, I grew up in a church just like this, really pretty in Staten Island. The big white church is what everybody knows it to be called. International Christian Center. And I remember that I had grew up in the church all of my life. I did missionettes. I did youth. I did all of the things. You know what? I enjoyed church. I really did. But I didn't have Jesus in my heart. Not at all. And I remember one Sunday morning, I was 18 years old. I was even on the dance team. And I remember we were at the altar leading our team and leading people into worship. When right there, they were singing the song, How Great Is Our God. When I heard a voice say to me, do you really believe that? First of all, who's talking to me? I've never heard this voice before. And second of all, I've been in the church my whole life. Of course, I believe that God is great. And the second question was, well, why don't you live like it? And right there at the altar, I fell on my face because I felt filthy and dirty and I knew I was in the presence of something holy, someone holy. And in that moment, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I know probably in the church, they're like, wow, Marilyn's really going after it today. But you see, they didn't know that I had just had an encounter with the living God and he would mark my life forever. You see, it was a few months after that that I would go on my first mission trip to the Dominican Republic and the Lord would call me. But something had to happen when I encountered Jesus. You see, it can be really easy, church, to just come to church, right? It can be very easy to get dressed up, look good, smell good, sit in the pew, thank you, Jesus, and go out the same way we came in. But how many of you know that God wants more for you? Not only does he want your heart, but he wants to use you for his glory. And irrespective of what you've done, irrespective of what it looks like, he says, just come. That's what repentance is. It's turn, to turn from your way to his. And he says, come and follow me. And as you follow him, he does the rest. When we see Jesus, we see our sin, but then we also see a savior. Amen? Ephesians 2, 1 through 9 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. 
but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Amen. Number two, when we see Jesus, we see his authority. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 20, what does it say? It says that the 72 returned with, oh, I thought I was in ECC today. The 72 returned with joy, joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he says that I saw Satan fall like lightning. Behold, I have given you all authority. And look at what he says. He says to tread on serpents and scorpions. Can I help us today? That's not just animals. You could do that, but that's not what he's talking about. They represent something. They represent the powers and the spiritual forces of this present age and time. Did you know that demons are real? Do you know that we don't fight against flesh and blood? If you're in the Bible long enough, you'll know that there's some things out here that the world doesn't want you to know, that the enemy doesn't want you to know, that there's some things that we're walking through in darkness and depression and all these thoughts and all these doubts and all those fear. That is not of God. And any spirit contrary to the Holy Spirit is not, is a demon. Can we be honest? But that means that God has given us the church authority. So if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can I just tell you, you're not just anybody. <laughs> you're a child of God. That means that you have authority that lives on the inside of you. No longer do you have to look like, like the way you used to look. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to 17 says this, you are a new creation. Not a used creation. <laughs> Brand new. What does that mean? That means I don't walk the same. That means I don't talk the same and don't get it twisted. It's not because of anything that I've done or anything that you've done. It has to do with who Jesus is. And as I represent him, that means that I represent the King of Kings and the Lord of all. Yeah. So that's why he says that you can speak to that thing that's not as if it were. Not because of your word, but because his words never fall to the ground. <laughs> This word never, never will die. It's inquenchable. It's infallible. It cuts bone and marrow. This word, it will forever stand. And sometimes, and we see it right now, that if you don't know who you are in Christ, the world will tell you. True? The world will tell you. And they'll label you. But you have to remember, you have to, sometimes you have to talk to yourself. Do you know that's part of discipline? To speak the word of God over yourself? So real fast, tell the person next to you, I'm not just anybody. No, you got to say like you really mean it. Come on now. I'm not just anybody. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. And his authority lives and dwells on the inside of me. That's why we can walk into dark places and there is light. So many of us want to go into places and look like everybody else. Do you know that's not what you're meant to do? He said, be salt and light. So that when you walk in, something has to change. Man, nobody wants to be around me. I wonder why. 
There's light on the inside of you and where light is, darkness cannot be. So if he's given authority to you, carry it with boldness and give it back to him. It's not for you to say, oh, look what I did. No, oh, Jesus. Father, it's all you. And in the name of Jesus, I speak to this doubt. I speak to the fear. I speak to this warring spirit. I speak to this thing because he has given you authority. And so wonderfully, as if the, the, the worship team knew, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. God has highly exalted Jesus, the name above every name. That at the mention of his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on. That's the power that we have. That's why we can worship him. That's why we can sing. And do you know that when you worship him with songs that are about him, that something changes in your heart? That suddenly, like, you can't just think about that thing you were thinking about all day. It shifts the atmosphere. It's because of his name. His name. And his authority, and by his authority, he's told you that I've written your name in the heaven. Who has authority to do that other than Jesus? When you see Jesus, you see his authority. And lastly, when you see Jesus, you see his compassion. I'm going to ask for help. Is that all right? I need three people, three men. No, I, I lied. I need five men, five men, five men. I see one, two, oh, y'all just, the ladies are like, okay, you go. <laughs> All right, one, two, three, four, five. Thank you so much. Can you give them a hand? You go. Staring here. I'll, I'll direct you, I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you go before our text this morning and, oh, yeah, you, are you good? You fine? You fine? You fine? God bless you. Come up here too if you want. <laughs> give me two minutes. So in our text this morning, if you go forward, and I think in order to get a better picture of what the text is really trying to tell us this morning, at the end of Luke chapter 9, you'll see that there are a group of people that say, Jesus, I want to follow you, right? But then they also have their excuses of why they can't, right? We know them. But Christians, I love Jesus, but I follow Jesus, but I can't go all the way to Africa like that crazy girl. But you see, when we got into our text, immediately there wasn't even a conversation with the 72. Did you notice that? That Jesus was automatically just telling them what they were meant to do. This is what you are doing. And there was no excuse and there was nothing that hindered that question. So I began to wonder what's the difference with these two groups. You see, one group was with Jesus. They had seen him doing all the miracles and everything, right? So they knew that Jesus was good. But they also knew that he came with benefits. So they wanted that. But this other group not only saw Jesus, but they saw him as Lord. And they wanted him to be priority. So whatever he said they were going to do, they gave that, he gave Jesus his yes. And at the end of our scripture, if you follow up, the next story is the Good Samaritan. So he just sent out the 72, right? And they come back excited, like, Lord, in your name, these things have happened. Like demons are trembled. They're gone. They're cast out. And he says, hold on. That's not what we're excited about. And then he tells them this story of the good Samaritan. He speaks of a man that was walking. One man, just one man, one man that was walking along the way, along the road. When suddenly a robber came 
and beat him on the road. <laughs> it doesn't have to be real, it doesn't have to be real, there it is, there it is. Beat him in love, beat him in love, and left him on the road. He was on the floor, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to, there it is, hallelujah. <laughs> and he left him on the road. And the Bible goes on to say that there were a few men that followed. And there was one man that came, and this was the religious leader. And he was probably on the way to the synagogue, and it says that he saw, but he wet, walked on by. He even pointed, wow. And the Bible goes on to say that there was the worshiper that came, and they're the ones that lead us to the throne, right? There it is, hallelujah. But the Bible says that he looked, took a pause, and even continued to walk on by. But lastly, there was the Good Samaritan. And you see, and you see the Good Samaritan, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that the Samaritans and the Jews were like oil and water. They weren't good to come into the synagogue at all. But the Bible says that the Samaritan not only saw him, but he picked him up. He bound his wounds. He put him in a hotel. He then gave him food and then he left, but then he came back to take care of him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. What is the text telling us today? You see, Jesus was telling them specifically that I'm not just calling you to have a religious spirit. I'm not just calling you to go and do things in my name and then just get excited on what you did, but I'm calling you to have compassion. Compassion that sees. Compassion that sees the lost. That would you just be so willing to not just be comfortable being, sent, being saved, but to be sent. John 13, verses 34 to 35 says this, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you too are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. And I'll close with this story. You see, one of the towns that we were able to do water filters in is called Nyamanu. And in this town, you know, we were there for about 10 days because we believe that local lasts longer. So we trained the church leaders in how to bring the water filters into their homes and how to meet the people that probably would never come into a church, right? But bring them living water, not just water filters, so that they would come in. So we were there for about 10 days. And because we're missionaries and we build a church, church members love us, right? So after the service, there's always a group of people that are wanting to talk and share and all of that. And I remember that there was a man off to the side that was um, just standing and dressed a little bit differently than everybody else. And I remember just looking and I was like, man, let me, let me go ask him if he needs anything because he was there for a while. So I went over to him and, and I said, hey, is there anything that I could do? Is there anything I can help you with? And he said, well, if you would be so kind, would you, I just need somebody to pray for me. And I said, no problem. So I went inside and I got my fiance and we came back out and, um, he began to share with us what his ailment was, what he wanted prayer for. And I want to preface this by saying this is a little graphic, a little explicit. And he said that he had a boil on his shin that he'd been dealing with for now over the course of the month had grown not only from like this little golf ball size, but now it had taken up the whole entirety of his shin. 
And he said it was so painful that he can't go to the fields anymore. You see, Nyamanu is a farming town. So it's a place where that's how they get their money, at least 20 cents a week. And that's what they do. That's what they live off of. So he wasn't able to go there anymore. So he decided to call the capital city and ask them if there was any openings for jobs or anything like that. And they said, no, 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 for two months. He said, I just need prayer. So we said, we're going to pray. And as he's sharing this with us, the Holy Spirit whispers to me, you're going to put your hand on the boil. I said, God. <clears throat> it's a boil. He said, you're going to put your hand on the boil. So I went down and I put my hand on the boil and praying and and my fiance's praying, and, and as we're praying, the Holy Spirit says that this is spiritual, and I will heal him, but he needs to go and tell everyone of what I've done for him. So afterwards, we get up, and I share in obedience to the Holy Spirit, and we had been doing ministry at that point for about five months straight, and my birthday was the following weekend, so I decided to take a couple days and just rest with the Lord. So we had parted ways and, you know, my fiance is really good at getting names and numbers and doing all the things. So he did all the connection things. And then I remember when um, the day before my birthday, my fiance called me and I was like, man, I got a good one. He called me early. I'm not even there. And he was like, are you sitting down? I got something to tell you. I was like, what'd you get me? Oh my gosh. He's like, what? I was like, I'm a girl, you know? He was like, no, do you remember? And we're going to call him Joel for the sake of this story. Do you remember Joel? I was like, we meet a lot of people. He was like, Joel from Yamanu. I was like, yeah. He was like, I just got off the phone with him. He said, when I was leaving, when he was leaving the church after we prayed for him, there was a woman from the church that yelled at him and told him, we were tired of seeing you like this. Go to the hospital already. It's been too long. He said he felt a sense of shame. But something within him told him to go home. He said he went home and after a few minutes, he felt, felt this sharp pain in the area of the boil. So he rolled up his pants and as he rolled it up and he was just trying to figure out what was going on and felt hot. And then all of a sudden it bursted. And he's trying to clean it and he's been dealing with this for two months. He's trying to clean it. He's trying to take care of whatever it is. And finally, it's, it's all clear and he realizes that it looks like a dried up wound. The following day, he went to the hospital to make sure that what was happening was clear. He goes to the hospital and the doctor looks at him and he says, well, did you fall or something? It looks like a scab. He said, don't worry about it, doctor. God bless you. The following day, the capital city called and said, hey, we're, um, we have an opening. Can you get here by next week? He said, I just want you to know, OT, that I've been telling everybody on this bus and everybody in the village of not only what Jesus has done for me, but who he is. You see, something happens when we see people the way that Jesus saw us. Something happens when you encounter the living God that you are no longer the same. Yes, it comes with healing. Yes, it comes with deliverance. But there is something that causes you to not keep it to yourself. You see, good news is only good news if it's not late. And time is short, family. Jesus is coming back. 
But he says he can't do that until everyone is heard. There's 27 million people that live in Cote d'Ivoire. 33 unreached people groups right now. Countless number of children that have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here we live in the greatest city of the world. And maybe your neighbor doesn't even know who Jesus is. May our hearts tremble and ache for those that have yet to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we live for a day where everything that is within us just says, oh, I got to tell you. I got to tell you about this man named Jesus. So I don't know, maybe you're in here and you like church like how I used to like church. But you know there has to be something more. Maybe you've heard about him your entire life, but today something is shifting and there's something going on in your heart and you're like, man, I wanna meet this Jesus. I believe that he's here today. And maybe you're here this morning you've been saved for a long time and it's just been the routine you forgot how your heart used to burn for the Lord and right now in this moment you're feeling that stirring Lord what are you calling me to as we stand all over this place would you be so bold to not just be comfortable being saved but say Lord would you send me these altars are open and I don't want you to wait for anyone to ask. Say, Jesus, here I am. I want you. I want to follow you. I want to surrender my life to you. Whatever it looks like, God, I say yes. Would you be so bold? Step out of your seat and meet us at this altar. Lord, we worship you, God. We thank you, Jesus, that you've called us, oh God, that you are a holy God, that there's no one like you, Jesus, in heaven or on earth. We bless you, Father, for who you are, Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.